0: Hi, this is Jackie, the host of Should Have Listened to My Mother. Before we get into this episode, I wanted to take a minute to mention a couple of things. First and foremost, I wanted to send my condolences to the family and friends of Jake Burton Carpenter, the founder and creator of Burton Boards, who passed away in November of 2019, which was after this episode was actually recorded. In a minute, you're going to hear a couple of great Stories from my guest Mark Heingartner, who worked very closely with Jake before anybody even knew what a Burton board was. And someone listening may not know what a Burton board is, so hopefully you're going to stick around and listen to the whole episode. So that's uh, one thing I wanted to set aside. And also now we are in the middle of this pandemic, which hopefully we'll never have to live through again. But my guest is also a first responder in New York City, a firefighter. And again, this episode was recorded before any of this corona pandemic was even in the forefront of our minds. So Mark and the Heingartner family, extended families and families and first responders, doctors, nurses, emergency personnel, firefighters, all over the world. I'm keeping you all very close to my heart. Jackie Tantillo with you and another edition of Should Have Listened to My Mother. A couple of words to describe today's guest, other than a real sweetheart, would be a risk taker, thrill seeker, selfless, brave, compassionate, generous, loving, and that's just to name a few. I've known my guest since I was about four or five years old. He's a little bit younger than myself. Um, He was still in diapers at the time (laughs) from what I remember. But all of his siblings and my siblings, we all grew up together on the same block in Garden City, New York. Um, My guest is the youngest of six, and I'm the youngest of seven kids. And here we are today, where our age difference is no longer significant, but perhaps the role that our mom played in our lives is. Hello, Mark Heingartner, and welcome to Should Have Listened to My Mother.
1: Jackie, thanks for having me.
0: As I just mentioned... I've known Mark a very, very long time. I don't know if I've ever known anyone who has done fascinating things that you have (laughs) in your lifetime, and it's pretty remarkable. So what we're going to do is we'll talk a little bit about who you are and the adventures you've had in your life and your experiences, and then we'll get into how your mom shaped you and who you are today. Is it because of your mom or in spite of your mom or both? So how about if we start with your
1: mom's name? Mary Patricia Murphy,
0: and what did you guys have a nickname for her?
1: Um, only only later in life, um, when when grandchildren were born, we called her Pats.
0: And your dad is Walter. Yes, not Walter, it, right? <laughs> we we call him Big Wally. <laughs> As I mentioned, I think we were maybe six houses apart from one another growing up, and we were basically at your house, the Highgartner's house, or or at our house. So I have these vivid memories from childhood of spending quite a bit of time in your parents' beautiful home. Let's start with a little bit about what you've been doing over the last couple of years. Well, you're a great dad, great younger brother, you're a snowboarder, a surfer, a lifeguard, and a New York City firefighter. And that's just to start things off. So that's pretty incredible. How about if we start with um, talking a little bit about the Burton snowboards?
1: Sure. Sounds good.
0: You were the first generation of professional snowboarding raps for Jake Burton
1: uh yeah that's right. I started um snowboarding in uh, the late seventies when really the sport just began and um, I met uh Jake Burton carpenter um through some mutual friends of ours um you know when I was around fifteen and uh, and picked up a board and uh, one thing led to another and started working in his factory and helping him uh, make boards, and then uh, started going to uh, the early day contest, like the first one or two, and had some success there, and he picked me up um, and sponsored me as a, as, a, as a competitor and a rider, and then I went on a kind of a young professional career in the industry, like first generation, um, for around eight or nine years from there.
0: And you were in Japan, you were boarding all over the world.
1: Yeah, that was that was the coolest part of it. Um, I left school. I went to one year of college and I left school. I often say to people, I went to um, I left school to go to the Burton University because uh, <laughs> <laughs> I um, got to see the world you know, for sure. Um, besides the United States, I you know I traveled out to the Rockies and um, the Sierra Nevada area out in California and and uh, Oregon and um, I got to I'd go to Japan on a couple different occasions. Snowboard over there, and all over Europe: um, Italy, Austria, Germany, uh, Sweden, Norway, um, France, uh, all the Alps. And uh, yeah, for several years, I traveled around and competed and trained and uh, and um, just represented Burton at different uh, for you know dif- their different sponsors and and uh, ski resorts and whatnot.
0: And now it's it's. Just so obvious what a huge success Burton and, and snowboarding in general is but in the beginning you guys were struggling none of the mountains would let you on to board right
1: correct that was um, well, um when Jake and I you know first started uh, working together so to speak he started the company and he took me on as, as you know as first an employee helping him make the product and then. Secondly, sponsoring me to um, ride the product and go to contests, and then that became part of my job too. And I was one of the early guys who would we would make a plan on. I'd make phone calls to different resorts throughout the country, and um, and basically introduce myself and and say, "There's this, this new upcoming sport, and I'd like to introduce it to the mountain. And could I come and uh, do a demonstration uh, with you there?" And sometimes, and quite often, would be with me and several team riders or Jake himself and me and a couple of guys and uh, we would just go up and show them how we could get on and off the lifts and make turns and control the boards um, but yeah I mean in the 80s too when we really started doing this introducing the ski resorts because initially it was a back hill sport initially we were going you know hiking up hills and mountains and um, you know down the, the New York area people would be going to golf courses and it was kind of like a you know, beside the sled type of uh, sport, but then <laughs> um, there was a lot of us who who wanted, to, you know, progress into going to ski resorts and getting on chairlifts. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of the, 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 the ski influence of it, um, and uh, we kind of took that on and and we uh, introduced it that way and, and demonstrated at different resorts and you know one place after another would start letting it happen. The thing was back in the '80s. If you kind of remember, if people remember, um, the ski industry was going through a change, and a lot of it was because of liability. So this was a real challenge um, to get new things involved because they were pretty conservative and they really didn't want to be interested in other things that potentially could create problems for them. So um, it was it was a struggle with with certain resorts, but slowly but surely they realized that. Um,
0: Was that in hindsight right
1: yeah for sure. <laughs> looking
0: back you guys used to sneak up at night and and ride the boards down the mountain too i think you told me so it's just so and, and taking that risk it's really important in life you guys didn't really know i mean you hoped and dreamed but i know it wasn't easy
1: you know i was i was a teenager and then in my young 20s and uh, early 20s and it was um you know it was it was just fun but for you know for jake he took it on um, Jake Burton, he took it on, um, you know, as as a career from the get go, and it's something he really wanted to to progress into, you know, the industry and the culture that's become really, huge, uh, huge,
0: huge, huge. Yeah, huge. Huge. for sure. So, I just want to give a shout out to because you mentioned recently you were interviewed for Brian Knight's book called Snowboarding in Southern Vermont, and you said he he got it he got it right. So that's always interesting. If you want to hear more about Mark Heingartner and the, the Beginnings of Snowboarding, check out Brian Knight's new book. Are you still a lifeguard?
1: Um, no, I, I, I um, stopped lifeguarding um, quite a few years ago. Probably, I guess it was about 15 years ago. But with that being said, that was uh, that was really kind of my first career, so to speak, even though it was seasonal living here in um, the New York area and Long Island. Because uh, I snowboarded for, uh, I mean, I, excuse me, I um, I lifeguarded for for 25 years, um, which I never known at the time when I started when I was 15, but developed into uh, part of my pension um, when I retired in a few years down the road.
0: Oh, that is so amazing! Were you always at the ocean, or did you lifeguard in pools and things first?
1: No, it was it was it was always at the ocean uh, for the most part. My first job was at a um, a beach club down in Atlantic Beach, mm-hmm. um, and initially. I got my certification for the for the pool, which you can get at um, at the age 15. You can't get ocean certification until you turn 16. Um, but that same summer that I um, I got the job and I initially got hired to be a pool lifeguard at the beach club in Atlantic Beach. Um, but then I turned 16 that summer and straight away went ahead and took my ocean certification and got that. And then they um, they started parlaying me into uh, um, the ocean. Um ships and working at the beach, so uh, twenty five years of working at the beach.
0: Oh my gosh, did you save a lot of people?
1: Um yeah, quite a few through the years, for sure. um not so much at the, the beach club down at Atlantic beach because you know most of the people you were watching there um were, were you know um, knowledgeable swimmers, mm-hmm. um, but then I moved on to work for the Nassau county at Nassau Beach, and I worked there for ten or twelve years. And um, so that was a public facility where you're getting more not-so, you know, people who have the education, and awareness of the ocean, and swimming. So definitely made some rescues through the years there. But then 1990, I uh, I moved on to working um, for the state at Jones Beach State Park. And there's where, through the years, you end up telling a lot of rescues because um, buses come from various places where you're, you're getting patrons, um who aren't as, as aware of the ocean and aren't as strong swimmers. So you definitely get your rescue there through the years. So I definitely made a lot of rescues throughout my career.
0: And you've participated in the Swim Across America, the 5K yeah, Fundraiser I've
1: been doing for that, Cancer. Yeah, that's, that's that's an amazing um, organization, amazing event. I've been doing that for the past four years. It's a fundraiser for fighting cancer for Cancer development is actually what it is, and they do them throughout the whole country, but I do one particular event in Long Island Sound up in Glen Cove every summer, and I participate in the 5K event to help raise money for cancer research, and uh, a, lot, a lot of friends and family and, and generous people. They're a lot of money to give to that organization and to me to, to do that swim, so that's a, that's a cool thing I've been doing for the past several years. So even though I don't lifeguard anymore, I'm I'm in the water quite a bit. I, I live at the beach and um, I'm an avid swimmer and an avid surfer, so uh still in the water a lot and actually still make rescues along the way at the at the beach when the lifeguards are off duty and I'm out there surfing.
0: Oh my gosh. Really? You rescue people every minute,
1: every minute. It, it turns out to Yeah, I mean, unfortunately most of the um you know, when you hear about fatalities in in the Long Island area and probably most places when, you know, people drown, it's more for than not when the lifeguards aren't aren't on duty. And as a surfer, we're often in the water before lifeguards get on and after lifeguards get off in the um, afternoons and evenings. So it seems to me like almost on average, once or twice a year, I end up making a rescue or one over the other surfers um, who I'm in the water with and grabbing someone and making a rescue. Because, you know, once lifeguard, always lifeguards you. You always have your eyes on the water and what's going on, and who's around you, and just looking out for each other.
0: That is amazing. And, well, that leads us to your next career or another one of your careers. Um, you're a, a New York City firefighter. You just had your 20th anniversary recently. Congratulations. Well, thank you. Did you have any idea when you were a little kid that you, you'd be wanting to save people's lives and kind of changing the world?
1: Um, not necessarily. However, uh I do someone came up came up with a uh, um a photo of me um from one of my, my birthdays years back of uh when I was probably four or five and I had a, a fireman's uh, outfit on, which, you know, I guess a lot of young boys end up end up doing. Um but I I really kinda developed um interest in the fire industry through lifeguarding because there was several lifeguards who I worked with who were firemen and uh one particular guy who who i worked with who had been on the fire department for several years and we were sitting on the on the stand together one afternoon and he asked me what i was doing career-wise and that was in the midst of of my um my my snowboarding i was seasonally snowboarding when i wasn't lifeguarding and uh and he said you like making rescues You like being down here you like the the the, uh emergency services i go yeah sure i do and uh he said, um, you should think about taking the fire department test. to give them every couple of years, and something you might you might be right up your alley. And uh, he was exactly right. Because I, I ended up taking a test a, a year or so later when it, when it was available, and 20-plus um, years now, and has been a great career. I really really have enjoyed it, and um, I feel blessed to have the opportunity to be in the fire department and New York City fire department.
0: What kind of personality does it take, or what traits does it take, to be a fireman?
1: It's a real team effort, so um, you really depend on each other. When when people when, when uh, civilians are looking at a fire scenario, there's a lot of us who respond, but everyone's got uh, a job to do. So, you know, there might be dozens or hundreds of guys at a particular fire, but everyone's doing something. That as long as everyone's doing their part, you know, it usually turns out to be a success out in the fire fire out so it's a real team effort and it's a real camaraderie and and you know within the firehouse the the culture is you know we we have things to take care of there too not just to responding to fires but you know taking care of the facilities that we work at and making sure that our, the rig is um, the, the truck or the engine is ready to go and all the equipment on it is ready to go and we have committee work every day and we cook meals the cleaning uh we we make the bunks we uh we pretty much take care of everything within our own uh particular house because and that's why they so called a, a firehouse
0: mm. do you want to give a shout out to your house
1: yeah my firehouse is um about of 25 on the upper west side of uh, manhattan 77th street between amsterdam and broadway and i'm in the 11th battalion and um Shout out to those guys and everyone within the eleventh battalion.
0: Do you work with any female firefighters?
1: Um, yes. One of uh I have through the years and at the moment one of one of my bosses, one of the lieutenants at our firehouse, um, um Lauren Smith, she is uh she's gone for um I think close to fifteen years now and she's a lieutenant within the fire department.
0: And do you see many women Firefighters, do you, are they out there in the city or not so much?
1: Um, they are. There's been more, there's definitely been more of a recruitment for females in the past, I guess, like five years or so within my career. There's always been kind of like a steady number of, you know, somewhere like around 50 women in the department um, or 100. Those numbers are going up. I mean, the fire department is about 10,000 strong. And the recruitment has definitely expanded towards the females and uh they've been making a good showing and, and doing their part for sure.
0: Always nice to hear and see. Do you got does the fire department have a motto? Do you guys have a motto that you say? Always ready. Um you know, Nike says just do it. <laughs> <laughs> do you guys have a something like hoo ya? <laughs> do you have something like that or not so much <laughs>
1: um I guess amongst each other's friends would say we, we're getting it done you know we get it done we do whatever, whatever it takes basically to um to get it done and we you know it, we just don't put out fires we have all sorts of emergencies we go to car accidents and electrical emergencies and flood scenarios and, and medical emergencies and uh yeah, we, we get it done for sure.
0: You sure do. Oh, my gosh. I, I think about you guys all the time. I mean, in, in New York City, the sirens are going 24-7. So um, I admire and respect what you do and, and all of your friends do. And we've had friends that have, are, are firefighters as well. And you also were at 9-11. You're at ground zero. I'm sure that has changed your life for many, many reasons
1: yeah absolutely um a tough time during the apartment but uh um
0: To Beth, one of your sisters, and because um, I knew you were down there, and we were the conversation was based on if you had the right respirators. Because I know a lot of you guys were down there, regardless of taking care of yourselves, because you just wanted to be there to try and find your friends. So, definitely has left a lasting impression not just for you guys but for everybody, really. We admire and respect everything that you do. So Thank you. Thank hard. you for saying that. Very hard. So, here we are now. <laughs> We're going to transition cuz it's so important all of this has has affected your life, your journey, your path. But one woman I really want to talk about, who I, I know had a huge impact on your life, was your mom. Your mom. Pat. She uh, was yep. she was just great. Did she have a nickname for you? Did she call you um. something something cutie pie? <laughs> <laughs>
1: She had, I think she had a lot of pet names for me for sure through the years. Um, she called me Marky, e. um, she called me MC. My middle name is Christopher. Um, she called she called me sweets a lot. She referred to all of her children as sweets.
0: Did she have were you her favorite?
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, a mom can't have a favorite. <laughs> oh she a friend of, my, a, friend of my, a friend of mine told me years ago, he goes, It's totally Okay, to have a favorite child as long as it keeps on revolving to one to the other along the way. Right. Yep. But as you as you know, I like you were in your in your family. I was I was the baby, so yeah.
0: Um, we got away yeah. with murder. We actually I learned so much. I learned to keep my mouth shut and listen, and I just learned and watched everybody, <laughs> and they taught me everything. Absolutely. Your mom turned out she grew up not too far from where I live in New Jersey, in Westfield, New Jersey, and. And I was doing some research, and I was like, oh, my gosh, she learned to ride horse. She was riding horses in Central Park. And then she actually wound up parlaying that later on into her life. And she actually, you guys, you told me that she used to take you guys horseback riding a lot, right?
1: Yeah, we definitely learned how to horseback ride when we were kids because of one of her passions. And uh, she brought us to a couple of um, dude ranches through the years on vacation. And, uh, yeah, it was definitely... um, you know, I haven't ridden a horse in several years. I don't think any of my siblings have either. But it's one of those things that we learn when we we're young. So I'm sure if we were put back in that scenario, we could just jump back on and 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 take you know pick up where we left off.
0: And she loved the outdoors. She skied way into her her life.
1: She was an amazing skier. My mom was an amazing skier. Um, loved the outdoors. Her and my dad end up you know when we were young kids, we rented houses in Vermont. And that that uh development tend the wine to um buy property and build a home there, which they did and then eventually in their life um they ended up moving there and it was it was it was um kind of in the middle of their life they were you know they were they were middle they were probably in their our age yeah they were in their <laughs> yeah, yeah they were in their their fifties when they ended up like settling in Vermont, my dad started a business, and my mom was starting some of her Small side businesses there as well, and uh, and you know, she my mom was a a big fan and advocate of of um, you know being outdoors and, and nature and and uh, taking hikes and and uh, and skiing, and she was a, she was a great skier.
0: And uh, just so everyone knows and understands that when you walked into the Heingartner house on Long Island or Vermont, whichever home they had. The interiors were absolutely stunning. They were beautiful, filled with antique pieces and beautiful lamps and the paint color choices. And this was when I was in kindergarten through high school. It had an impact on my life, how beautiful your home was and peaceful and just every room you could just go in. Oh my gosh, you could go into the living room or that the beautiful bar room with all the windows mark with all the family photos and it was just stunning and her brother uncle alan was an interior designer as well
1: yeah yeah my mom um definitely took great pride in in her homes and um taking care of them and that was one of her her businesses through the years she did some interior design work and decorating and she she was a, a collector of antiques and had some space along along the years at different antique stores where she sold her stuff and one of her great passions and uh, life, and we, we reap the benefits of that with um, with the homes. And you talk about the photographs, and it's funny because I have a couple of friends through the years, and one in particular who.
0: She affected so many of us. You know, how neat is that? If you wanted to just hang out and spend some time with your mom, where or what would you do? Like, would you go to the house? Would you be outdoors? Where were you guys most comfortable, or where would it be most comfortable for you?
1: Hmm. Anywhere I was comfortable with my mom. (laughs) She... um. She made all the situations where you were comfortable. And so many interests I have now are things that I, that I take from her. Um, you know, whether it be out skiing or snowboarding together or going to the beach together. Um, she had a great love for the beach. Um, her, her dad um, spent um, the majority of his life at the beach in, in Long Island and Point Lookout, and she picked that up from him. Then she passed on to us. Um, my mom uh, spent a lot of time in the kitchen preparing food, and she made that always comfortable. And and, and usually our kitchens, through so the airs turned out to be open floor plans, so we could all be in there and enjoy it with her. And I picked up, um, you know, some tricks from her along the way in the kitchen too. So yeah, anywhere was uh, was a good place to be with mom because she uh, she always made it fun, and she always she satter really shiny, bright personality, which um, is pretty special. To think back on. It makes me get a little teary-eyed at the moment. <laughs> I'm so
0: sorry. This podcast has that effect on people, and um, the reason I wanted to do it so much is that we can share the stories, but we can also help each other. As a parent, you learn from other people's parents. You are handed down these oral stories, and that's how we learn. And you had mentioned a story recently about how she was um, really wanted to have you guys have good manners and tell us how she used to sit you at the table.
1: Oh, oh, yeah. She was, um, she was very old-fashioned in her manners and her ways, and uh, she always wanted us to sit at the table, boy, girl, boy, boy girl. I guess that she learned that along the way from um, her parents. Yeah, table manners were huge with my mom, and you know, not in an annoying way. They there was a lasting effect that she was she's was very kind and very, you know, saying you know, no elbows on the table, and you know, put your napkin in your lap, Mark, and and uh, no no hats inside, and you know, she taught me things always along the ways of always to hold the door open for a woman when she's coming into a house or a home or a door, and you have to be kind to all.
0: Gosh, it's the coolest thing, and we still we you teach your daughter the same, right? I'm sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. Morally I'm, I'm, conscious. I'm, yeah. So she's with you. Pats is with you all every minute, just like my parents are with me every minute. I can still hear my mom and my dad's voice. Was your mom an activist?
1: Um, my mom was very charitable. She's always doing. She was very involved in the church, and she was always doing charity type of work along the way. And um, I guess I picked that up from her along the way too, with the swim across America and other things I do and other things the kids do. And then she also worked. Um, you reminded me of this, like later in life, when you were talking to one of my sisters that she was working with some of the, some handicapped kids with horses in Vermont through the years.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. she was training young handicapped children to ride horses. How uh, cool is that?
1: Yeah, very cool.
0: Did your mom have idols or anyone who inspired her, whether it was a musician or an artist?
1: Well, her and my dad were definitely big friends of Frank Sinatra, and they mm. went to several of his concerts over the years. But also one of my fondest memories of my mom was Whenever we were in a setting like, you know, at a wedding or some sort of dance scenario, my, my mother always loved to get on the dance floor and dance. And uh, it was when you saw her dance; it was just, you know, and you did through the years. I'm sure at one time or another, it was just pure joy. She just like had a grin from ear to ear and just enjoyed moving to the music.
0: It's really amazing. I mean, I think my par- my parents were a generation ahead of your parents, but still the Frank Sinatra, forget it. My boys today, they, they love Frank Sinatra. <laughs> yeah. We live by Frank Sinatra. It was just so, such a wonderful era. The music was just fantastic. What gift or gifts did your mom give you?
1: My mom was always very patient. So I've always tried to carry that out in life, having patience. Um, patients with children, patients with people. And she's also very personable and kind to strangers. You know, whether she always as a as a young as a young boy, she'd always want me to recognize and, and say hello to, you know, someone who was coming into our home or, you know, whether they were whether it was a plumber coming in to do some work in the house or it was the mailman or anyone she just wanted you to Recognize and show respect to people along the way. So, um, you know, those gifts. Um, and she definitely uh, w- was very friendly, um, and uh, you know, would would always you know speak to a stranger in a restaurant scenario or just pick up a conversation. She was a uh, she definitely had a little bit of a gift gift of gab. I don't know if I got that so much, but I definitely see that in other in other members of my family, my siblings that would. That's, reminds me of my mom, which is really sweet.
0: When you're talking with some well, Carrie, Chuck, Keith, Beth, or Katrina, do you see your mom in them with expressions and mannerisms?
1: Yes, for sure. For sure.
0: That's pretty cool, now, isn't it? It's pretty yeah, fun it when is you cool. see Yeah.
1: And I, and I was just up at Stratton with my brother Keith, who lives up there recently, and uh, uh, we were in a gondola where it was just me and him, boarding together one afternoon and but in the gondola there's there's eight people and you know sure enough he did remind me of my mom the way he just picked up conversations with the kids in the in the gondola and, and the other folks in the gondola, you know, about just normal day stuff. Where are you from, you're having fun, you know, enjoy your day, that type of thing.
0: Puts a big smile on your face, right?
1: Y- yeah, for sure.
0: Mm. So who who you are today, is it because of your mom, in spite of your mom?
1: Oh definitely because of does for sure, I think that um, you know we talked about career earlier, and she always supported me, hundred percent. I didn't take the normal path um, as far as like careers went and and work and whatnot. Um, she definitely had a strong work ethic, and when I started lifeguarding early in life, when I was fifteen, she was definitely happy I was doing that. I was fifteen and getting a job, but then you know as life moved on and. And I graduated high school and then went to college, and when I decided to um not go back to college after my freshman year, so so I could pursue snowboarding and and a professional uh, career in that, and then it was unheard of. She was very supportive and very open to me doing you know something out of the norm um you know I wasn't asking for anything from um, her or my dad as far as financially went to do this. Um, they knew I was had a work ethic and, and I was just taking a different path because you know, my dad was in the automobile business business as you know and my other two brothers went into business with him and I opted not. Um, but then when you know the snowboarding started to come to an end for me um, career wise and then I was pursuing a career in the fire department. As a mother I think that she was definitely concerned for my well being. Um, however once again, she was very supportive in that, um, and uh, and I remember she she had great pride in me and 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 what I was doing. I remember on my graduation day in um, February of 1999, how uh, she was she was, you know, happy and proud of me to be pursuing that career and doing something I, that I wanted to do and I, that I loved.
0: That's really hard sometimes for a parent, but. She believed in you, Mark.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I was thinking of it. You know, people think that you know the fire department is a you know potentially dangerous career and sure it's a dangerous career, but you know something that Mom taught me when I was a young a young child was you have to look both ways when you cross the street. So, you know, I, I think you can take that into anything you do, and you know, i have been you know somewhat a risk taker in some of the activities that I do through the years in my sports. Still so try to um, size things up and to know what I'm going into, and just jump into things blind. That's the same thing with the fire service. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta know what's around. You know what's going on. Um, potentially to, to keep safe, keep in a safe, safe
0: situation. Well said. Can't say it any better than that, Pats, She was wonderful. Mark Heingartner has been my guest today on Should Have Listened to My Mother on the OG Podcast Network. I'm Jackie Tantillo. Mark, I, I think of you all the time, and I shout out to the guys on 77th Street in New York, and, uh, and be safe, because I know that you work really, really hard to keep everybody else safe. We will, uh, we'll be in touch soon. Maybe you can come back and join us again.
1: Thank you, Jackie. It's been my pleasure, and it's always nice talking to you.